Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Yang Pratt, and each week we'll explore ways in which the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. I'll be sharing ways the arts can propel your child's learning and interviewing top artists, educators, and entrepreneurs. These guests will share why the arts are so very important to your child, along with actionable ideas you can easily implement into your already busy schedule. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast here on iTunes and share us with a friend. For extra tips on raising smart kids, head on over to artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Welcome to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. I'm your host, Young Pratt, and I'd like to thank you for joining me today, along with our very special guest, Megan Dunn-Gordon. Megan is the owner of Velocity Dance Center in Oklahoma City. Before opening her studio, Megan studied dance management at Oklahoma City University. She loves teaching kids of all ages, but her passion is teaching her four to seven-year-olds and mentoring her high school students. When she's not busy at the studio, Megan volunteers with the Junior League, Big Brothers and Big Sisters, her Alpha Phi Honor Sorority, and is an active member of the More Than Just Great Dancing community. And by the way, she's also the mom to the cutest, most adorable little boy in the world, Hudson. And I've I've known Megan for a number of years, and I've seen her grow her studio from a little small studio in her city to one that really year after year sees some pretty incredible growth. So I'm thrilled to have you on the show today, Megan. Thanks, Young. I'm excited to be here. Woohoo! I know we've been working on this for a while. Megan, before we jump into all my questions that I have for you today, I want to go back to the beginning. Can you take us back to when you first discovered dance and how that really has impacted your life? Well, I can't really remember a time when I wasn't dancing. My parents put me in dance when I was three years old because I was the most uncoordinated child that there was. Um, My dad jokes that when they put me in dance to get some coordination, he didn't know that still, you know, 30 something years later, he would still be attending dance recitals and would have invested so much time and money um, into my dance education. And my parents are always really thankful for all the things that dance has provided for me. Um, I grew up dancing um, in a studio that was competitive in South Florida and dance really brought me a lot of self-confidence in a place where I really felt like I belonged. It brought me a community and that was really important growing up, especially um, in an area like I grew up in. There was lots of stuff to do and lots of trouble that could be gotten into and dance really helped me focus and it helped me learn to prioritize because my mother always could use dance as Um, a form of punishment if I didn't get my homework done or I didn't do what I was supposed to do then she would take away dance and she would make me pay her back for it so it taught me a lot of responsibility and a lot of prioritizing and value of money and investment in something like that so I'm really thankful for my parents that they put me in dance and that they help support me to continue my dance training. Gosh, it sounds like that dance has really provided so many wonderful characteristics and traits and values in your life. And you mentioned confidence and community and responsibility. Are those three values that you use in your studio today? 
Oh, definitely. And especially with, you know, our advanced kids, one of the things that I'm really working on with my middle schoolers and high schoolers is their responsibility to themselves, to their team, to our studio, um, time management and prioritizing the things that are important to them. And I love seeing how the kids grow. Sometimes I have these students who are so quiet and I just pray that they will start to talk and then they get older and I pray that they will stop talking <laughs> so that they cannot keep their mouth shut during class. And, you know, I tease them. I have one girl that she is a senior at SMU and she's actually studying fashion merchandising and she did an internship in New York and I would have never thought when she was you know the 10 year old in my solo rehearsal that just would stare at me that she would have such a successful potential career and so many opportunities provided to her among you know her graduating this year and that I think that dance gave her the confidence to do the speaking and the news reading that she's doing in the fashion industry so it's really exciting to see those kids that might not be dancing anymore, but are being successful in other industries that grew up in the studio. And a lot of them come back and say it's because of the skills that they learned in dance and the confidence that they had that they're so successful. And so I love seeing that, whether they're dancing or not. And that's interesting too, because confidence is such a, a hard skill to quantify. You know, sometimes talking to parents, I'm sure you have this experience too, and they want, you know, they're worried about the dollar amount they're spending every month, but really it's not about the class you're selling. You're not selling the skills, but we're selling this confidence and this ability to believe in themselves and to conquer their fears and reach for their goals. All those things happen in our four walls of the studio. And how do you on a daily basis get that message to your parents that it's more than just that great dancing, right? It's, it's about what happens in that classroom. Well, we're, I'm trying to be in our lobby and talking to our parents because they don't see what goes on in the classroom day to day. And last week we just completed our parent participation week and it's a really fun event that we do where the parents get to come inside the classroom and take class with the kids. And so it was a great platform for me to get to talk to our parents and talk to them about the why, hows, and the what we're doing, and they really could see it from an insider point of view. And we do it even up to our older kids. One of our hip-hop class had moms and dads and brothers and sisters in it, and the thing that the parents said after is that they could see the love and care that the teachers showed, the discipline that the kids have, the way the teachers build the kids up and challenge them. And so that's one of the ways that we let parents know what we're doing. We also just put together a little piece uh, talking about the five ways that dance helps build confidence. So we're helping give kids a positive body image. And I know that maybe the stereotype for dance is that dance is not about positive body image, but really it is. And it should be because we're teaching kids that all of their bodies are unique and special and no two bodies are the same. And we're working with what we have and our body can be beautiful dancing, no matter what size we are, no matter the shape of our bone structure, no matter our flexibility, each person and each body brings something special. We're teaching kids down to the little ones about having a strong work ethic. There's nothing that makes me more sad than hearing a little one say like, well, I just can't do that. We're teaching them to keep on trying, even if it's hard. Like you can do it. You just got to keep on trying. So those kids are learning if they push through, they really can 
achieve the things that they want to achieve and what their older girls were really using that work ethic in goal setting. And so when they're coming back to me and they're saying they're frustrated with, they haven't reached their goal. I'm saying, are, did you do your action steps? Did you take these steps? Well, no, I didn't do anything this week. And so they're learning that and I'm not having to tell them that we're having a conversation about it. And so that's been really helpful to teach these teenagers to be self-reflective on what they're doing. And in conversations, they've said it really helps them. Cause I also asked them, what did you do really great? What did you love about how you did that combination? What did you improve on from last week and what area are you still struggling in and what can you do to reach those goals, these kids are developing caring friendships with inside the classroom where they're encouraging one another. They're getting performance opportunities to get on stage in front of other people as a group or in a solo. And that really helps build their self-confidence to see the whole production come together and get up on that stage and perform it. And they're given the opportunity to express themselves in their own way. And I think kids really need an outlet to have self-expression and to help with their anxiety and it get, dance gives them that outlet to do that through um, technique class through improv through creative movement and so it's nice to see how the kids grow or maybe they were really quiet they didn't want to try that improv or that creative movement and then they're putting out beautiful things so they're really the little ones are you know really going for it super silly and so there's so many ways that we're building confidence inside the classroom and that's amazing. I think you must have shared 20 amazing things that are happening. I just want to recap a couple of those that I thought were really so important for us to discuss a little more. We talked about body image. We talked about work ethic, goal setting, accountability, self-reflections, friendship, creativity. Those are amazing things. And I, and I wish that schools in general would take those skills and build curriculum around that. So I feel like we are so blessed to be able to take these values and take these positive life, life-changing events and really create our programs around that to really make it about the whole child and not just part of that child or part of the brain. And I want to talk about a little bit about the body image because I think that as Girls in particular are growing up in the society. There's such a pressure on them to look a certain way or to act a certain way, to wear certain things. And I think some girls might shy away from dance classes because they do feel like they don't fit into that mold of what a dancer looks like. But I love that you pointed out that no matter what your body shape is or type, there's something beautiful you can do with that. It's about the expression and about really gaining that ability and confidence in yourself to make big things in your life happen. So thank you for sharing that. Here on the podcast, I know that you're, you know all about this. We're all about helping parents to raise smarter kids. How do you feel like the arts or dance in particular helps kids to build their brains? Well, I think one of the things that the arts dance specifically provides is it provides problem solving skills, which to me is something that I see a big lack that the schools aren't providing for these kids um, that we can provide in our classroom. So the parents can also take some of the activities home and they can practice at home with their kids. They can see the different movements we're doing. So I explained to them like crawling and a lot of the cross body movements helps with using both sides of their brain at the same time. So 
all of the things that we're doing in the classroom are in our classroom is helping kids in their classroom at home. And it's really talking to the parents and getting the message apart across to them that there's different learning types too. And I think that so many with the testing, I think some of the parents don't realize that maybe it's not that their kid isn't smart. It's that they're not being taught in school how their child's learning style is. And so in the dance room, we can teach in so many different learning styles and we can teach, you know, by tap, tapping or touching, we can teach through verbal cues. We can teach through visualizations. We can teach through hands-on connectivity with the kids. And so in a dance class, the kids have opportunity to learn in so many different ways. And I know one of the things like when I'm talking to parents in the lobby is I'm saying, well, I think that your kid learns this way. And sometimes the parents don't realize that they just don't know about brain development or body development, or they're so worried about like hitting the marks. And I totally get that being a new mom, like, like, Oh, it says that at nine months, Hutchinson should be doing X, Y, and Z. And you know, some things he is doing and some things he's not quite doing it, but next week he might be doing it because his little body is developing so quickly. So I try to like take my mommy crazy and tuck it back in my pocket and know that he'll develop these things in his own time. So I also encourage like my younger kids' parents to not push so hard for the things that the kids are struggling with to just encourage them so they feel that they can try. And I think that trying is the most important thing that these kids keep on trying new things and that they're not scared to fall or fail and they get back up and do it again. And you really touched on a topic that I'm so passionate about really helping those parents to understand what they're getting into. It really is not about that class. It's about all the things that happen to build that future leader, that future person who's going to take our society to the next level. So I think that's really important. I'm going to back up for just a minute, you talked about cross-body movement. And so for our listeners who aren't familiar with that, can you just explain really quickly what that means? So um, we really focus on this, especially with our younger kids. And in our younger kids, it's just tapping sometimes. So we're tapping um, both our hands across our shoulders, or we're working on like a crawling like an animal and so we're using both sides of our body and when we do that we have to connect both sides of our brain so our brain our right brain and our left brain are sending messages to each other and we're developing those neuro pathways that the kids are going to have in their brains for life that's going to help them with those problem solving skills when they're older too so we're helping like literally develop little pathways in their brains, which to me is so exciting that we're making that kind of impact on kids. And I love like with my little three-year-olds, you know, they're real excited if they can actually tap both of their shoulders at the same time. That's really a challenge for them. But then you get into, you know, my six and seven-year-olds and they're doing all sorts of different crossing patterns and they just get so excited to, learn those things and you can see as they grow and how fast they start to connect those different movements together and they're using those things in their everyday life even walking is you know opposition so it's really neat 
Excellent. And what you touched on earlier about learning styles and on the podcast, we actually go into eight different learning styles. We're all about Howard Gardner and his theory of multiple intelligences and how each of us has eight different ways of learning and knowing. But the fact that schools only teach and test two of those eight leaves the vast majority of kids out in the cold, if you will. You know, they might get labeled as just average, or they might get labeled, heaven forbid, below average. And as a new mom, you know, you look at these charts and you, you aspire for your kid to reach this milestone. And when they don't, there's a little bit of panic inside about, oh my gosh, my kid is not good enough. My kid doesn't know how to do this. And, and why not? And there must be something well, wrong. not normal. What's wrong with them? Yes. And my whole philosophy is that there is no normal. There might be some guidelines and some some criteria that happen for most kids, but we're, we're not all most. We're all individuals in our pathway to learn anything, whether it's crawling or walking or learning a dance, all happens in a different way. Like you said, some kids are very visual, so getting them to, you know, they may not have to do the movement. They can just watch it and learn, which amazes me. Yeah, I myself, I'm not a visual learner. I like to watch, but it also I'm very kinesthetic. I have to do it. Otherwise, my body just makes no sense of it. You know, I had a student years ago, and I never really understood. She really wouldn't pay attention. I, I thought she wasn't paying attention in class. and But whenever it came to performing, she always knew. But she would never physically do the stuff with us. She'd just watch us. And it used to drive me nuts until I really learned about these eight intelligences and how everybody learns and they have their own process for doing everything. And her process was just to watch us. That was it. She didn't really need to do it. I mean, in the end, she could execute it beautifully. But that was, that was her way. And, you know, for me, when I had my first daughter, I was devastated because, like, like you, I was really into the brain development and moving across the midline and working both sides of the body. So crawling, of course, is one of those milestones that doctors say they have to crawl, they have to crawl, they have to do this. Well, Sophie didn't crawl. And I was devastated thinking, oh my gosh, I had seen the research, I had seen people go into classrooms, and we could identify on a video who was having difficult, difficulty in class based on how they crawled. And I was just mortified that there was going to be something wrong. And the funny thing is, as soon as she learned to walk, she went back and crawled. Like it was no big deal. Like she had been doing it her whole life, right? So again, parents, I love that you're in the lobby talking to parents and telling them about the why because it's these things we're discussing today. That's the why. We're helping them be problem solvers. We're helping them be able to use their bodies more efficiently. We're helping them to learn how they learn the best. So when they go into a classroom at school, you know, they can take their strengths and play to those rather than how the schools do it where they're, Here's the weakness, and let's keep, you know, let's keep harping on this weakness over here, but let's never build up the strength here. Well, and on our test scores, I mean, I have some, my middle school and high schoolers, so where they're really self-aware of what's going on and where they rank in things. I mean, I have these smart kids with, like, over 4.0 GPAs that are struggling to pass some of the standardized testing. Well, they're big picture thinkers. A lot of them are. So learning all like the dates or the little small multiple choice things on the test is just not good for them. It's not that they're not smart and that they can't do the work and that they don't understand the concepts is that they're not good at the test taking on that multiple choice, which is the best answer. And I can totally relate because 
I'm that way. I don't think that way. I'm terrible at standardized tests. And there's so much pressure. And it's helping the parents too that like, let's keep them in dance because this is good for them. It's a positive thing. It's not a detriment, but they're so focused on the test taking. It's like, well, they need to not be in so many classes because they need to stay home and study so that they can pass this test because it's life or death in the schools. And I mean, I have kids getting themselves sick over it. So really encouraging parents to give them the outlet, whether it's dance or sports or whatever, that they need to be getting out there using their bodies to not just sitting and studying for these tests that they might never do great on because they don't think that way and they're not ever going to. Exactly. And it's another sticking point where I think parents can easily get hung up because their kids are being put into this testing mill, if you will, and they're kind of churning them through there. But if they don't end up on the right side of that, the parent is devastated. This kid is made to feel like they're not smart enough or they're not good enough. And I can relate as well. I was a kid who did really well in school, but we got to those tests and I just was embarrassed that I did so poorly and I just didn't understand how that was even possible with being a good student. And now that I understand it's not about doing well on the test, you know, less than 20% of the kids in any given area or get any given school are going to do well based on how they learn best and what their strengths are. So again, this is one of my, you know, big passions too, is helping parents to, to break down that, that box and get them outside of that thinking about, here's a test, here's your kid, here's where they're going to go. And for me, when I see the kid's educational pathway being determined by a singular day or a singular test, I just find it devastating. So I do believe getting those kids into our classes and giving them a place where they can express themselves, where they can learn and grow in the way that makes the most sense for them, I mean, is so, so crucial, especially with the more pressure and the more focus that schools are spending on testing and less time in movement and artistic endeavors. Well, and one of the things that I've noticed being a new mom, and I know that we've talked about this, is I find the mommy wars and the mommy pressure to be a lot and, you know, very judgy, judgy. And when I was pregnant with Hudson, I was constantly looking for those positive resources and those positive um, communities to be a part of. And so something that we're trying to do in our studio is make um, our Velocity community of like-minded parents. Now that doesn't mean like we all think exactly the same and we do everything the same, but we're trying to build a community for parents where we're all here to support each other. So as we're here to support you as a mom um, with your goals for what your kids are, and I think that's important, not only in education for our kids, you know, with the schools, but as moms and as parents, that we're supporting each other. I have a good friend who nurses her baby exclusively, and we have to plan our dates around, you know, her schedule. And that's fine. That just doesn't work for me. And so I'm like, whatever, we can come for free all these times. But so many times I find out you know, parents are judging each other when they don't do things the same. So I think in helping our kids in education, we have to be more supportive to each other and more open-minded and less judgmental um, to one, one another because like there's so many different learning styles. There's no one right way to raise a child and support a child. So I think 
besides finding what works for your kid, it's finding a community, finding a tribe, finding your village to help raise your child. Someone who will come over and bring you dinner when you have a sick kid, someone who will, you know, maybe come over and do your laundry. And I think what uh, adds to parents being more stressed out is besides the pressure from the testing, from the developmental standards, from everything else that, you know, we're trying to hit the mark is that we don't have a community and, you know, people used to have a village that raised their kids. And I think finding your village helps to build happy, healthy, self-confident, supported kids. And so I think that's one thing as parents we can do to help our kids is to find a positive community for them too. And I think community is so important. And I think that kind of summarizes everything we talked about today. Finding that place where you feel accepted, finding that place where you're supported, and finding a place that people will accept you with all your flaws. And I think that's such an important lesson, not only for kids to learn, but as parents to take that step backwards. Because I think we sometimes can easily get caught up in all this stuff and, and, and comparing ourselves and comparing our kids. And really, it's not about that. It's about growing this beautiful child into a leader who takes responsibility and can move mountains literally with what they can accomplish. You know, let's, let's just get out of their way and just help them and shape them. And, and I know you do a lot of mentoring for your older kids. And I, I think that's so important to help them find their path because each of us is put on this planet to accomplish something truly amazing. And, and not all kids are pushed in that direction and schools don't necessarily push them that way. So I'm so glad that your community has you, Megan, to have this, you know, great support network where these kids can really grow and feel good about themselves. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course, and before we say goodbye today, is there one parting piece of advice you could give to parents that's actionable, something they could grab onto today and implement? I would say the one thing that I think that we can always do is encourage our kids to keep on trying. So they might not get it the first time, they might not get it the second time, but don't let them give up and find new ways that can help to support them through their journey. And I think that kids need a lot of encouragement, not a like insincere, like, Oh, you did great. Everyone gets a trophy, but really encouraging trying and failure. And one of the things that I've been talking with some of my older kids that are struggling is that you have your biggest growth through the struggle. So if you can start teaching that to your three, fours and five-year-olds in a really age appropriate way with, yeah, you might not have it, but let's try again. Uh, that will really help give them skills that they can really hold on to for their whole life. So that would be my one bit of encouragement to parents is to keep encouraging your kids to keep on trying even when it's hard. And that's an awesome piece of advice too and, and so fitting with our conversation today and really being able to use the arts to help drive this message home because in the arts, the kids are learning how to have growth through a bit of struggle, and that's how we become bigger, and that's how we do better things in life. So, Megan, I want to thank you again for joining me today. How can our listeners get in touch with you if they have more questions? If you have more questions, you can email me at my studio address. It's Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N, at Oklahoma City 
www.dancestudio.com. And it's really long, but really easy. Fantastic. And your website is also? OklahomaCityDanceStudio.com. Excellent. And you can check out all the cool stuff Megan is doing at her studio. All of her contact information will also be linked up in our show notes. So thank you to everyone who's joined us here today for our amazing journey with Megan. Thanks, Thanks. Megan. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Raising Smart Kids podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share us with a friend and leave us a review here on iTunes. Be sure to head over to artsmartparenting.com for free updates to help you raise a smarter kid through the arts. And if you're looking for more ways to propel your child's learning, join me each Wednesday for a free live webinar where you'll discover how your child learns best, how to supercharge learning, and the often hidden mismatch between teaching, testing, and your child. Sign up today at artsmartparenting.com and click on the live tab. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes where I'll be sharing tips and tricks to incorporate the arts into your already busy schedule and expert interviews with artists, educators, and entrepreneurs on how the arts can help you raise a smarter kid. Until next time, I'm Young Pratt, your partner in raising smart kids.